Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. Hey, 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 welcome back, everybody. Super excited to be here. We've got a great guest today, very inspirational. He's got a very powerful story, and his name just happens to be Perry Power. So, how can you not have a powerful story with that name? Super excited to get into it. Today's review is going to come from, <laughs> honestly, this is, this is a true name, Turd Liquor. <laughs> Real, raw, and from the soul. Lance's podcast is always one of my go-to podcasts, whether I'm driving, walking, or at the gym. Lance is so relatable, authentic, and honest. He covers very important and interesting conversations with his guests. A great five-star podcast. Thank you so much, Turd Liquor. I can't help but laugh at that name, but super, super grateful for that review, and I really appreciate it. I'm glad you get value from the show. If you guys haven't already, go hit that subscribe button on iTunes. It doesn't cost you anything to subscribe. All it does is help the growth of the show. And listen to an episode, leave us a review, tell us what you think, how's it impacted you, all that good stuff. Today's episode is going to inspire you, so make sure you listen to it right until the end. If you have any past story in your life that you feel is holding you back, this will be essential to your toolbox in helping you get through it or inspire you to help others share their story. So about to get into Perry Power right after a word from our sponsor. We'll catch you soon. How would you like to make direct impact of our youth today? So important, right? Well, here's your chance. It's called Aprons for Gloves. What this is, is this is a nonprofit organization created by the Eastside Boxing Club. The whole mission of this is in the community to help improve lives and build community through boxing, right? By having um, a space that supports these members and community involvement, the participants get to collaborate in these different fundraising campaigns so that we can actually see how this impacts the youth, which is really cool. The four programs that are going to be offered after school boxing program for the at-risk youth, young adults class for youth working to improve their mental health, free self-defense for females, and number four will be moms and tots program. Really awesome thing. So how this works is the event itself is going to be called the Restaurant Rumble. Now, this has been going on for eight years, and it's been growing. It's going to be at the Commodore Ballroom, August 20th. So people that work in the bar industry, restaurant industry, past or present, decide they get together and they commit for three months to train at Eastside Boxing Club while raising money. Now, the goal is to hit 2000 bucks. Once you hit 2000 bucks, you qualify for a fight. Okay, and depending on how well you've done and how much effort you put in, you may get a contender fight. So I've decided to do this. It's crazy. I know. I, I was just like, wow. When I heard this at first, I said I didn't know if I wanted to do it. And now I'm doing it, and it's amazing. And it's just such a good cause. It goes with my cause with University of Adversity, making impact. And that's what I want to do. I want to give, make impact, and do so many things for the youth. It's just this is a perfect starting point for me, and I'm so excited about it. So what I'm going to do is putting on. I'm going to be raising the money. Hopefully, you guys will want to donate. I'm going to be giving this shout out every single episode until August 20th. I'm going to be putting on an event, all this kind of stuff. I'm going to update this as we go on. But the main thing here is this is a great cause. A lot of times growing up, we would have gotten into trouble. I know myself, if I didn't have sports, if I didn't have hockey, soccer, all these things, or at least mentors or people offering these programs, then I would have gotten into trouble, right? 
because a lot of times you get into trouble when you have too much time on your hands. These young minds wander, right? And you just want to, you don't have an outlet. And giving this this outlet is going to create discipline, going to teach them about nutrition. There's so many amazing things. And at the same time, we get to train for an amazing cause and raise money. So there's going to be a link. There's a link in my link tree, guys. Please donate. I really, really appreciate it. This is for the kids. And I'm going to share this journey. As you guys probably know, you're going to be seeing all kinds of different stuff happening with transformation and stories and videos on my Instagram and Facebook. So it's really exciting. So I hope you guys will join me for this ride and donate Aprons for Gloves 2019 for the Restaurant Rumble. Thanks, guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. Today's guest had to overcome some very difficult challenges and moments in his life. As a child, he was sexually abused and had to overcome the loss of his father just two short years ago. He is now on a path to change the world and make an impact by working with fitness professionals to help them lead with their story and build a personal brand. Now, this topic can be very difficult for people to talk about, but it's a real problem and, it, and a lot of people are talking about it. So I really admire his courage to come out and to you know, share his story on what he's gone through and the impact that he's looking to have in the world. So Perry Power, welcome to the show, bro. Bro, thank you very much for having me on. Every opportunity I get to share my story to impact at least one person that I'm very grateful for. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? You never know who's, uh, who's going to be impacted by your story because there's somebody out there listening that may have gone through the same thing or just the inspiration that you are able to get up and go and, and kind of transform your life and, into a positive way. So very powerful, Perry Power. <laughs> that's a great, <laughs> we were just discussing before. I was like, that's such an awesome name. Let's go back. If you can, man, tell us a bit about your growing up and kind of the, the journey that you had so far. Sure. So I'm from London in the UK and I was practically raised up in a broken home. So my mum walked out when I was four. She just had enough one day and she kind of left and it was just me and my dad for a good few years. And then I went to school in West London. I'm, a, I'm an actor, so I've got an actor's heart. And it's funny, right? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs will be able to relate to this, is that it's a path that is very frowned upon by our peers. Acting, entrepreneurship, anything that's not stable. So whenever I talk about my passion growing up, my dad would always used to shoot me down. Acting isn't a path that you need to take, Perry. You need to go down a route that can get some stable income. Then when I stepped into entrepreneurship, it was the same story. But yeah, so my, my mom walked out when I was four. And then my stepmom came into the picture. So my dad met somebody new a few years later. She then moved in and she sort of stepped into the shoes of my mom because I only used to see my mom about once or twice a year. And then when I was 11 years old, for over the course of a year, I actually remember one night when I was staying at my nan's house, which is my dad's mom, his side. And I was staying at my nan's house and I was in a spare room. And I remember lying in bed. It was the first time I stayed around there. I remember lying in bed. And my nan and Michael, which is her husband, my granddad at the time, they were standing side by side. And they're saying, good night, Perry. And I remember saying to my nan, good night, nan. And looking at Michael. And I remember just praying to myself that he wasn't going to come in that night. And that's because for over 12 months prior to that, leading up to that, he'd been sexually abusing me repeatedly every time I went around there. Now, 
the strange thing is, is that when it was happening, I didn't know it was something that was bad, right? First of all, I looked up to him when I was growing up because he was my granddad. So first, why would he do something that's bad? I didn't know what sexual abuse was at that age. I didn't know anything. I just thought it was just, I literally don't even have a clue what I thought it was. I was like, okay. And he used to do it in times where I would be in the room. So what usually basically happened, and I'm going to go into a little bit of detail here, but there's a reason why I'm going into detail because it shows how, which obviously the whole point of this podcast, how I'm able to get through it get, and get to the other side and talk about it like this. Most of the time, when I was a youngster, I used to sit on his lap whilst watching TV. He'd ask me to come sit on his lap bonding time. And he would just put his hand down my trousers and have a field, field of a time for, for ages, right? And just breathe deeply down my ears and stuff. I always, I remember those little things. And I have images where I used to look up at him. And I, I remember used to thinking, this is a bit strange. And I used to look up at him and he'd just look at me and just give me a shh, kind of like, it's all right, Perry, just carry on watching TV. And then there was one time where there was people in the room, but because of where the seat was positioned, our backs were to our backs were to everyone else, so nobody could see. And we was all in the living room, and my mum happened to sort of walk in and sit down on the couch. And uh, Michael had a cigarette, a roll up in his hand that was put, sort of balancing over the arm of the sofa. And I was sitting on his lap, and then my mum was watching. And all of a sudden, a cigarette fell out of his hand and fell onto the carpet. And then she was watching it and she was thinking, why is he not picking up the cigarette? Because it's burning a hole into the carpet. And that was because he was so preoccupied with me. He didn't want to get out of that to pick up the burning cigarette. And that was when she knew, okay, something fishy is going on here. She pulled me out of the room. And then that's when my dad questioned me and questioned me and questioned me until I told him what was going on. Because I didn't think anything was bad. So he questioned me to bring out the answer. And then I wasn't allowed to go around there for a couple of years until he passed away. Then I was able to go back around my nan's house. So that's a big chunk of my story. But the thing is, when that happened, my dad told me to keep it a secret. He said, I don't want you to talk about this because if you do, then it's going to bring a big black cloud over the family. And then I just kept it a secret for years. Wow. That's powerful, man. Yeah. And because, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't know any different when you're a kid. You're, you're just kind of like, what, what is happening here? And I, I've heard that a lot, actually that when it's happening, it, you don't really understand because you're just a kid, you know? Yeah. And, and then you start to realize like that can't, that's weird. Like, why is that happening? And man, I, um, I can't even imagine, you know, going through that. And thank you for sharing that because it's a hard story I can imagine to share, even to just talk about even me, even thinking about that stuff is, is very challenging. So what came out of that? You know, I know your dad probably wanted to, because that's kind of opening a can of worms that highlight your family and people start yeah. talking about it and it'll make it, it'll just, ah, oh, and I can't even imagine, but I can understand why he would want to keep it under there. Like, what did you guys think and how did you, how did you guys move forward and kind of what happened after that? Yeah. So it's a strange one because I think when we sometimes go through trauma and we sort of grow older, our brain tends to block out certain memories because of those experiences. And I don't actually remember doing this. So like when I was in secondary school, uh, high school, the equivalent, I used to have a, what would you call it? It's like a, a counselor, a school counselor that I would go and see once a week. 
And when I went through college after, and I, you know, into my late teens, early twenties, I always, whenever it came up in conversation, I used to think about it. I had that counselor because I was a bit of a troubled youth. I would cause a racket inside of school, nothing bad or crime, but I'll just be a bit of a nuisance. So I thought I had the counselor because of that throughout my whole life. And then um, it was a few months ago, my mum found a letter from the counselor saying why the school has paired the counselor with myself. And it was to do with a story that I wrote in class. And then I was like, oh, this is interesting. So because I was actually still connected with the counselor, I messaged her on Facebook and I said, hey, do you mind, Anthea? I said, Anthea, do you mind telling me why you became my counselor? And she goes, because in English class, all of you guys were in class were assigned a piece of work to write a story in your own words about whatever you want and then hand it in at the end of class. And it was obviously because it was so raw and I'd realized what had happened after it happened, after Michael passed when I moved on, I wrote about the sexual abuse as a story in class. And I don't oh, remember wow. doing it. And then I handed it in. And I think that's because I had nobody to talk to because my dad never wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to talk about it. So I had to live with it inside my own brain. So I feel like that my way to express it was through a, a written story and hand it into the teacher. And then that obviously raised a red flag. And I started to see a counselor every, every week for things like nearly two years. So how, how old are you now? Let's just in perspective. 24, I'm 20, 25 okay. in a couple of months. Okay. All right. So this happened when you were 11. Yeah. Okay. So what other things, how was your teenage years? You know, like did that, impact you or affect you did in in ways that maybe you didn't know did you lash out did you go start drinking a lot drugs like usually you know stuff like that happens did yeah yeah like that happened to you i is one of my big talking points at the moment something i stand by which is wearing masks right and a lot of men wear masks as well and it's a talking yeah. subject right now and there's two factors which we'll get onto my dad in a bit but the half of the reason why i started to wear masks was because of the sexual abuse and because I was made to keep it a secret and I wasn't talking about it, what happened as the years piled on, I started to be the victim of my story and I started to blame myself. Because as I grew older and my mindset grew, I was like, why didn't I say anything over a year? Why on earth did I say anything? Like the first time, I'm like, Perry, you're so stupid. The first time it happened, like you should have known that something was wrong and you should have put a stop to it. Why didn't you? And I started to say that over and over and over to myself. And so I kept the secret in total for 14 years. And those years, yeah, it piled on. And when I went to uni, it was big time alcohol. Big time, big time. I, I mean, I only lasted I, I, one term in uni. I went to three lectures in three and a half months. And I got into my last warning for being kicked out. And I remember the principal saying to me, Perry, when you come back after Christmas in January, you need to buck your ideas up and decide whether you're going to stay home, not come back, or come back as an actual student and take your learning seriously. I decided to stay home because I went to uni for the wrong reasons. And again, all of these events I've been through, like alcohol um, and wearing masks and being somebody who wasn't really me, right, is because I, I felt like if I'm being me, the, the real me, then that means I've got this dark secret that I need to share, right? So if I step into the shoes of somebody else of a different identity, then people don't need to know the real me, so that's cool. And that's how I lived throughout school. And especially when I went into college as well, I stepped into the shoes of somebody completely different. Like that was this fake womanizer guy, which I wasn't in the school. But when I went to college, I was, I was this big shot. And I stepped into the shoes of that person because I felt so insecure on the outside. I needed to flip it, insecure on the inside. I needed to flip it on the outside so people didn't see that. Yeah. 
but the thing is that where I'm interested is that, I mean, all teenagers and people in, in uni drink and party, right? I mean, most do. So yeah. not necessarily everybody's going through that, but how did you realize that? What were some specific things that you started to notice as time went on that was kind of affecting you? Because it's hard to say, I mean, when we're drinking and partying, of course, a lot of us are, you know, we're young, right? So yeah, we're doing it for all different reasons. But yeah. is there some specific things like within your habits or stuff that you were doing or running away from that you really started to notice once you started to become, you know, once you start to do the personal development, you start to kind of see it in a different light. Is there some stuff that you noticed after that you, you know, maybe some stuff that you did or shied away from that you realized that were affected from that incident that you didn't before? I think the, the biggest thing was how I handled situations after that, i.e. when my nan passed away or something that's meant to affect me emotionally is how I handle that. So yeah. because my dad forced me to handle the sexual abuse in bury it under the carpet and don't talk about it. Mm. Like literally don't even talk about it. Perry. And every time I used to bring it up, he used to shut me up. And then leading on from that, I remember very specifically my nan who I was very, very close with. She had a stroke, she broke a hip, went into the hospital and just didn't make it out. And I remember that when I got the call to say that she's dead, I actually remember sitting myself down and put myself, I say through this process, but at the time I was like, right, I was trying to force myself to forget that she ever, ever existed, right? I was like, Nan, she didn't exist. And I, I, I need to wipe her from my memory because I don't want to deal with that event, right? Yeah. I don't want to deal with it because I don't, want to, I don't want to have those emotions attached to me and I don't want to, I don't want to face those demons and face those emotions. So I'm, I'm going to do the same thing with that, get it under the rug, push it there and I leave it there. Nan, Nan who? Don't know who she is. And I move on. And then events like that was the exact same thing. Exactly the same thing. Everything changed. Everything changed. How I handled everything was when my dad passed away. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. How did, how did that come about? And because I share this with you as well, I lost my dad very suddenly. That forced me to change my perspective on a lot of things as well. Maybe tell us a little bit more about that, man. And, and you know, what, how did that really change you and you know what kind of decision did you make after that happened so me and my dad we were so close like ever since my mom left we were like best friends right absolute yeah. best friends and um, I was actually the best man at his wedding when I was like nine years old which is really cool yeah and then we we was always 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 batting heads because I always had the opposite um we always had opinions on everything I was doing and then then everything kind of went downhill when I moved out of home. So when I was 18, I moved out because I was like, I need my space. I need my freedom, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean I love you any less, dad. And I was like, but I need to move out. And when I moved out is when I didn't have the eye on my dad to see what he's doing every second of the day. So when I would go home for a weekend, I would notice a difference to the a month or two months beforehand. And it was about a three-year period, over three years, where he just started to deteriorate. And he just started to, over the three years, started to drink a little bit more, then a little bit more. But behind the scenes, my mama never knew. He was an mm. invisible alcoholic is what I call it. Wow. Right? Yeah. And um, he would just drink vodka, like down it as if it's apple juice, then pour it up with water, put it back in the cupboard so my mom wouldn't know any different, right? And then his thoughts just became more negative. 
and he wasn't eating meals. He never exercised. When he was younger, he's a bodybuilder, big time bodybuilder. He actually got me into fitness, but he just didn't train. So he was skinny everywhere except for his belly, right? He had a big belly, which makes sense because one of the big things there was the alcohol. Okay. Mm, yeah. And, um, and I just remember all the conversations I used to have with him. like, Dad, you need to sort, like, you need to sort it out, man, because you can't carry, because he used to share most of the stuff with me. Like, the alcohol used to share with me, because like, you're not going to go tell Mum Perry, are you? You don't go behind the back. And I was like, no, I won't. Of course I won't. And then, um, then he actually got found. He got caught. My grandma saw him drinking in the car, and then he came back in. And then they made him go to AA, the AAA. AAA in America, isn't it? Or was it AA? No, it's AA. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. They made him go to AA. And he said to us that he was going to the meetings, but we knew that he wasn't going to the meetings because we was notified, right? So he wasn't going, but he would leave the house for so much time, come back as if he went. So he was just denying the help. He just didn't want to. And I remember a conversation with him via text, like, dad, why are you drinking so much? And he said, it's to fight away the demons. And at the time, now I know, but at the time, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. I was like, what, what, what demons are you fighting away, dad? What, what demons are you talking about? And then I get a text on June the 1st, 2017. I get a text from my brother, who at the time was 13. And he sent me two pictures. One was an ambulance van outside the house. And the other one was my dad lying on the bed with two paramedics standing next to him. So I'm calling him up. I'm like, Trav, what's going on? And he passes the phone to my mum. Mum goes, it's nothing to worry about, Perry. He's just... So basically, with everything piling together, in January of that year, he became a diabetic. Mm. Right? Yeah. He had high blood pressure. He was on every pill under the sun. And, um, and the paramedics basically came around and said, right, Andy's blood sugar levels, they're off. So we need to take him to the hospital so we can even them back out. That's what mm -hmm. we need to do. I was like, okay, cool. So they put him back in the ambulance van. Mum goes, right, we'll contact you in a couple of hours, Perry, but nothing to worry about. All right. A couple of hours later, I get a call from my brother. He's like, dad's gone. I'm like, what do you mean he's gone? He's gone where? He's dead. What? He's, he's dead. And, Basically, he got into the ambulance van and everything was all chill. And then all of a sudden, he just had a cardiac arrest. And he, the paramedic said it was like something out of a film. He just flatlined instantly. There was no saving him. He didn't even make it to the hospital. Um, wow. Yeah, absolutely crazy. So everything just piled up onto him. The whole three-year sabotaging. Wow, man. Sorry to hear about that. It's tough. I know what you're going through, bro, because I, I went through that in 2017 as well. Very fresh. Oh, really? Yeah. Dealing with those deaths like that and the sudden ones, it's like you, you just feel like you've been cheated. Like you feel like, what? How does that ha You know, that doesn't happen to me. That doesn't happen to us. Like what just happened? Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. And I appreciate you sharing it because I, I know when I talk about it, it makes me feel better. And just to kind of make sense of it all because it's such a shock, right? Like, mm -hmm. It's still probably super shocking and, and hard to accept at this point, right? And Yeah, of course. It's still tough. Like there's still yeah. days where it's weird. It's like I can look at a picture of him and I'm all cool and I'm laughing like you yeah. bloody idiot, right? And I have a bit yeah. of banter. Then there's something completely random and then boom, I'm gone. I'm like I'm just crippled on the floor for like, for hours because it's like that moment's just come back, you know? Oh man, I can completely relate. And anybody any of you guys listening that have lost somebody, I'm sure you can too. Like it's so weird because I'll be totally fine and I've dealt with it. I'm like you, you know, I dealt with the personal development, done it and really built myself to be strong, a strong foundation. I'd like to think anyway. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'll just get like super emotional. It'll be like, 
what? Where did this come from? And then, yeah, just getting like tears and it's like, fuck, like it's crazy. And you wonder, is it because they're, you know, who knows where they are, right? And it's like, why am I feeling this now? And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting because every day you just kind of go on and you don't really know where they are or where, whatever you believe in. It's still like, you don't know whether they're, they're with you or they're not like it's, but it's definitely, it's crazy because it's something we all have to go through at some point, which is, which is really the hard part of life. And yeah, I mean, the best you can do is just remember the good times and take the lessons from it, right? It's only going to make you stronger in your life. So now that you, you know, you, you dealt with that. So this is my thing. Everybody's got their way of dealing with these kind of things. How did you deal with losing him? Was there any specific things that you could offer to people that are maybe going through that when that does happen that you did that you exercises to get through or that you continually still do? that could maybe help somebody getting through a loss? Yeah. From when he passed away to my, what I call my big like defining moment, which I'll talk about in a second, there, there was that sort of that gray matter in between, right? That space in between where I'm lost and I'm going around in circles. I don't know how to deal with my dad's death and every single day I'm crying. I'm just, I don't want to go out of the house. I ended up quitting my personal training job because I didn't want to be in that environment. And then because I quit that, I didn't have any income coming through. So all these debt letters started coming in. I'm like, I don't care about all these letters because it's like I put myself into this black hole, right? Where everything outside of, of me just didn't exist. And, and I, was, I was really searching. I was searching for something, but I didn't know what it was. But I was searching for something. And it's crazy because I was having a conversation with, I went to a mastermind event right and i basically shared my story and actually shared that was the very first time i shared my sexual abuse um, and that was powerful which is kind of leading on to my defining moment but um i talked about my sexual abuse and the guys there were like wow okay so in regards to your dad's death you need to talk to this guy because he's gone through something he might help you out with that so i went and talked to him he goes all right perry i'm just i'm gonna send you over something i'm like okay and it was just a video of him talking about a subject and i wasn't expecting much until he said one word right and I think for some people that's listening to this may sound simple, but for others, it's going to be really powerful. And that was forgiveness. And it, it was just absolutely crazy. Like he just said the word forgiveness and, and he's going through his story. I'm like, wow, that's it. Because yeah. me and my dad argue all, all the time and he would pick arguments over nothing. And, I, and like we were, we were proper hotheads to each other, right? But we mm -hmm. loved each other so much. And I blamed him for a lot of things. And that was a huge chunk as to why I couldn't continue moving forward. And, and I knew that's what I needed to practice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's amazing how forgiveness can, even for things that you don't even know that you're forgiving, like it's definitely, so how, how did you apply forgiveness? Like it's hard for me to talk about with this because it, it's it's hard for me to find the words because I know exactly what you're going through, right? And it's yeah. when you're talking about this, it really hits close to home for me because me and my dad fought like crazy too, but we were super close. And so, well, hearing this, it's just like wow, like it's there's so many emotions and and forgiveness is so powerful and to be able to let that go and letting go is huge as well, being able to let go, so you developed forgiveness for him. So how did you do that? 
or some things that practical things on a daily basis that kind of showed that you were forgiving him? I, I remember my very first step was because I'd probably say for about six months prior to his death, we was having ridiculous arguments. He would just make it out of nothing. And a week before his death, he made a really stupid comment to me via a text, right? Which hurt me, a spiteful comment. And um, then he just went into like writing a whole book via text and just digging into me. And then I realized that it was the alcohol. It was yeah. the alcohol, he, yeah, you know? And it, it all clicked into place. There was a reason for it. My first step was under, that's a big thing, was understanding. So it was understanding that. And I went back through the text messages that me and him was having. And I went back to that argument. And I just took myself back through it, but from a place of understanding. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, Dad, I, I forgive you, man. It's all, it's all good, you know? Yeah. Do you find it hard to forgive yourself for some of the stuff you said to him? Yeah. Like for me, especially, I look back at the conversation. And I'm like, fuck, why'd I say that? Oh, like, yeah. You know, and that's hard, man. That's tough because it's right there in front of you. You had this conversation. That's the thing with text messaging. It's like, I'll go back and I'll look through it and I'll go, fuck, that was a real dick thing to say. Like, yeah. You know, like, those, yeah, those ones. And when the times where my dad used to ring me and I knew yeah. that he was ringing me either to bitch about mum or to have a go at me about something and I never answered those calls. And I'm looking at it ring and I didn't answer yeah. it. It was those ones as well. Yeah. I'm like, if I could have just picked up that call, you know, we go through that, right? Yeah. And it doesn't do any good, but it's, it's just human nature. And the, yeah. yeah, the times I was too busy to talk, and I'm like, you know, after you're like, wow, like, I can't believe that. I, w- I would do anything to talk to him right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. And we, we definitely have gone through the same sort of thing, which is kind of crazy, man. It's, it's hearing the, the exact same sort of story just from a different, different way, you know? But these things make us stronger and you got to use it as fuel, right? You got to use it to help you fuel your mission. So that's going to be my next kind of segment into this is that talk about this masks is people say you know stop wearing a mask how has that helped you because for masks a lot of people have different personas right you grow up you get you're in this sort of box and that's who you are right yeah we decide that's who we are for some reason we just say oh that's me that's my identity and then depending on your surroundings if you move somewhere you hang out with new people then you become that person you know How important has it been to kind of let go of old beliefs or old identity and kind of get rid of that mask? How it has your dad's passing and moving on, how has that sort of helped the process? Yeah. So I, I don't know if you can hear that in the background, but we've just been hit by a huge storm. So apologies for that. Oh, that's all right. Um, so I'm grateful you brought it up because it, it was so powerful where – I was, so after I practiced the forgiveness and after, you know, I can look back at me and my dad and I was completely cool, you know, no dramas. I was, I was just easy, right, with it. And I remember, and this was still before I shared the sexual abuse or anything like that, right? And I remember I was upstairs in, in my old house and I was brushing my teeth and I spat the toothpaste out and I sort of looked up and I was still going through it a little bit. And I remember just looking at myself in the mirror and I just, just happened to, to catch myself and all of a sudden I got lost in this little world. You know, like sometimes where you go into this little world and you come back to reality and you're like, what am I doing here kind of thing. And I remember I was looking at myself and I went into this sort of like internal time machine where I pictured myself in 20 odd years time. And I was like, if I carry on with 
holding this sexual abuse in my head. I know that I'm going to develop more of a victim mentality. I may even switch over from being a victim of my story to being the villain of my story, right? Mm. And it may just protrude in different areas of my life, the energy. And like, there is a chance that I'm going to go down the same road as my dad and die at the age of 48. Wasn't even 50. Wow. That's yeah. Fuck. Yeah. You know, I was like, I don't want to be dead before the age of 50, leaving behind the family because of shit I couldn't deal with. Right. It was that conversation I had with myself. It just, I was like, okay, okay. I know what I need to do. I don't know how or when, but I know what I need to do. And that was just, just rip at the time. I didn't know exactly what it was, but now looking back, it was, I just needed to step out of these shoes that I'd stepped into a couple of years prior to that, of this identity and just rip these, these masks off and just share who I was basically is basically sharing the sexual abuse. Cause that would have been the first of the dominoes. Right. Mm. And I was like, that's what I need to do. And it's really, really powerful what happens next. So I went to this mastermind and I share my story. Right. And then I'm driving home from the mastermind. I'm like, okay, I'm in this, I'm still in this bubble, this bubble where that was created at this mastermind, which is a different world that I haven't been part of before. And if I, go home, I'm going to go back into my old bubble. And I'm afraid that I'm going to go back into the mask that I was wearing. So I was like, right, what I need to do is just right now is just literally hit the record button and video myself talking about my sexual abuse and post it on Facebook. And I was like, that's what, that's bizarre that I'm thinking about that. It's about, I need to do it. And before I even like talk myself out of it, I, I turned into this, it was actually an old, old house of mine. I was like, oh, let me park in front of that because there's no cars out the front. And then it took me about seven takes and I was crying in each one. And each time I was recording, I'm like, everybody's going to outcast me. They're going to hate me. They're going to think. And what basically happened, I was like, all these 14 years of victim thoughts, I thought everybody else was going to think of me as well. Right. And then on that seventh take, I talked about my sexual abuse. I talked about my dad's death and how I'm dealing with it. And I stopped it and I popped it on Facebook. I remember sitting there in the car and I'm, I'm like, gee, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And then I look at my phone and it had just over 60 views. And I remember this, just over 60 views. It had two likes and one comment. And then one comment was like along the lines of, wow, this was hard to watch, but thank you for sharing. I was like, that's cool. And then I was like, but 60 people watched it and only one comment. That means most of them are thinking that I'm an idiot and they're outcasting me and they're thinking that I'm a weirdo. So I threw my car to the, I threw my phone to the back of the car, drove home. And then when I got home, there was just this flood of messages, flood of engagement on the video, just basically saying, thank you for, for sharing. I think for being vulnerable. And that was when I was like, this is a whole new world. What has happened these last 14 years is that I've been fighting myself rather than fighting the world. Right. Yeah. And everything just became clear. Everything. At the end of the day, I mean, that's who you're fighting is yourself the external circumstances are just circumstances right it's always the challenge who you were yesterday becoming better and learning and i mean yeah and when you realize that things change because it's not about you know competing against other people like it's really not it's like it's honestly it's about be you you know how what did you do yesterday how am I dealing with this? And it's constantly revisiting you, becoming better at you. When you become better, the external circumstances around you become better. Yeah. It's crazy how yeah. that works. So have you noticed a shift in your life? Like I want to get in now to what you're doing and your mission. 
Mm-hmm. But how much of a shift has happened in the last two years for you since you really, you're obviously wanting to do amazing things and use your story as a main part of your business and inspiring people because people need to be inspired. You know, you're doing the same sort of thing as I'm doing as well. So how have you changed and tell us some impact that you've had on maybe some stories that you've heard from people in your story or just kind of things that have happened in your own personal life. Sure. Sure. So I remember when that video went out, the first big catalyst of change where, because when I did that video, I did it for me, right? I didn't do it for anybody else. I did it for me. And then when I got all these messages, there was one that stood out and it was this message from a guy in America who said along the lines of, I'm on one side of America doing my thing, i.e. entrepreneurship with business. My whole family's on the other side and there's basically a sick family member and they want me to fly over there and be with them. But I'm battling this because I don't want to fly over because I'm in the middle of doing my thing. And now I'm in this really, really dark space, that suicidal dark space because I feel like I'm being this horrific family member and I feel like I don't love them. And they said, and he was saying this message, like your story has literally helped me come out of this dark spot and see the light. And I remember reading that and I've never experienced anything like that before. Any type of impact like that upon somebody. I was like, and it really hit home because I I, I struggled to take it in, to soak it in. Mm. And I was like, wow, 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 wow. Okay. And then what ended up happening was people just started to ask me, you know, how did you get to the point of coming through the sexual abuse? How, how have you got to the point where you've come through your dad's death and you're in a position of, of sharing that? And I just started to help people completely free to begin with. I was just helping people, you know, to basically help them get through via just how I got through X, Y, and Z and just to share their story. And then it's crazy, right? I, I would say one of the biggest things, and I'll get into a couple of them, but one of them that I noticed first was, was in my family. I remember going around to um, my, my mom's house and my grandma was there. And they were like, Perry, I just thought it was just that once that you were abused by Michael when I walked in, which I was saying earlier. And I said, no, it was over a year. And then they're like, and they couldn't even believe it. They didn't have any words. And I found that very interesting. The fact that they didn't, and that would have been the same with my dad. They would have just thought it was that one time whereas it was multiple times and it was crazy. And what ended up happening was I went round to my, my cousin's house and my auntie, which is my dad's sister. And the same thing happened there. And they were talking to me about it and they opened up to me, right? Because I was able to share my story. This was the thing, right? When you share your story, you give people permission to share this. So when I ran, went round there, my cousin shared her story to me and she was saying how Michael, was doing the same things to her. And Michael put a tennis ball, paid catch with her with a tennis ball. Then he put a tennis ball down his trousers and make her fetch it, right? Oh and, and he was just doing brutal things like that and things to her, to my cousin. And I then I was like, you need to share that. And we did the same thing for her by video onto her Facebook. And her life transformed from there because she sort of grew out of that dark space, the same space I was in, right? Mm. But then the crazy thing is, which all made sense, was that I found out because I shared my story and because going back to forgiveness, right? I was like, I need to. So after I forgave my dad and everybody like that, I was like, I need to find forgiveness within the sexual abuse, right? This was actually my other really big moment. I was like, I need to find forgiveness there. I was like, I'm never going to be able to move on. 
So I worked on forgiving myself. I was like, Perry, it wasn't your fault. And I kept on saying, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. You, you know, you're young. And then I did something which I'm not saying people listen to this. I'm not saying you have to do this, but I chose to because I wanted to. And I wanted to forgive Michael, right? I wanted to forgive him for what he'd done and be able to look at him, hear his name, and not be angry or spiteful or anything like that or emotional. And what I ended up doing was I allowed my, myself the space to dive into his story to see if I can come from a place of understanding. And I dive into his story, and his story was that he grew up in Ireland with four siblings, a brother and two sisters. And they were split up. The two sisters were brought up in a uh, boarding school run by nuns. And him and his brother were brought up in a boarding school run by priests. And all the students there were sexually abused by the priests. Hmm. Right? And uh, have you seen that film Spotlight? Uh, no, not that one, no. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I've heard about it. Is yeah, it older? So, well, this, uh, a couple of years. A couple okay, of years. It won okay. Oscars. Oh shit! No, I don't. I'm actually. I'm thinking of an older one. Okay. Anyway, I'll have to check so, it out. So Spotlight is a film about a team of news reporters in Boston who uncover a story about a priest sexually abusing some kids, and they want to dive into it. Yeah. And then as they dive into it, they realize that there's this whole underground ring of priests. Um, oh my god. That's sexually abusing kids. And then when they uncover that story, it wasn't just Boston. It was every single place in America, then every single place in the world. Then at the end of the film, brilliant film. At the end of the film, it has a series of credits, right? With just names of institutions and places all around the world that has been listed with sexual abuse cases. And his school was on there, right? Wow. And I was like, okay, now, see, because I, because I found forgiveness, I allowed myself this space of understanding to see that he was abused by priests. And he grew up, you know, you've got options. You can either be the hero of your own story. And, and like what I'm doing, I could have taken the route of inflicting it upon other people. if I, you know. And he's done that. And then I found out that it was my cousin, it was my auntie, her mom, and it was my dad that was a victim of Michael. Now I'm thinking, wow. ah, okay. So my dad was like, he's doing this to my son. And that's also a big reason why he wanted me to keep it quiet. Because every time I brought it up, it reminded him of what he went through with Michael. And this whole can of worms just opened up. Wow, man. Yeah, that's very, wow. It's courageous of you to look at it like that and be able to forgive and go into the story like that because, man, like what good does it do holding the grudge? Because mm. he doesn't feel the grudge. That's the thing people don't, don't understand is that whatever you feel about that person, that person isn't ever going to feel that. You're the exactly. one that feels that. You're the one. So forgiveness in any situation is so important because you're really just forgiving yourself and getting rid of those emotions because you yeah. can never inflict that feeling on them, especially if they're gone and you're only the one suffering. So to look at it like that and have that self-awareness is, is pretty amazing. Some people take their whole lives to figure that out and you've been able to do it in your early 20s, which is awesome. So well that. done, man. Well done. I really, uh, really appreciate you telling us that and Super powerful, man, and lots of really good lessons there that people can use. And not just if you're sexually abused, but if things have happened in your life and, you know, somebody is, you've, you've had a, a negative situation with anybody, it's just you got to forgive. You got to let it go because you're the only one that suffers from it. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about what you're up to now in the fitness industry. And yeah, what is your, what are you looking at creating and, you know, how are things going? Yeah, so, so after all of that happened, I, cause I mentioned that I left the in-person PT role when my dad passed away. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, 
I want to stay in fitness, but I don't want to go back to that environment. I want to be online. So I moved online and I had this company called Ignite Your Fat. And it was just working with every Tom, Dick and Harry there was. There was no real purpose or goal. And then it was when my dad passed away and I went off to this mastermind and I was like, and I started to dive into my story. And that's actually when I realized what the whole story was. And that's about a year and a half to two years ago. And I was like, no, probably about two years ago. And I was like, you know what? I don't want any other parent, any other parent to go down the same road that my dad went down. It was self-inflicting and it could have been stopped. It could have been, right? And I was like, I don't want any other parent to go down the same road. And I want to help as many parents that I can and not let any other family go down the same road. It's like a company called uh, the Fit Parent Movement. And I led from my story, right? So I used my story at every single possibility that I could. I got media coverage. My first media was viewed over by 100,000 people, which was really cool because that was like the, the, the platform that my business just sort of skyrocketed from. And every client that I got on, every parent that I got on, I had this methodology where I was working with them to rewrite their story, not get them on to lose weight or to better nutrition. I'm going to rewrite your story because I wish I could have done that with my dad. Right. And I'm going to treat any, every one of you guys and give you everything, everything that I got. And I was working through that for, for some time. And then it just got to a point where I'm looking at all these other fit pros. I was reminded of how I used to be fitness professional wise. And, and I just saw that all these fit pros are just focusing on the systems now focusing on the marketing to get clients and running ads. I was like, what I can do to create even more impact is try to get every single fit pro, every single fitness professional I can come from because they're in the industry for a reason. And it's usually because they've either been through something and I don't want any other person to go through the same thing, right? Or something close has happened to them and kind of similar. They want to help people like that person that whatever happened to them to not go down the same road. So like me with my dad, helping working with parents. So I was like, I want to get as many fit pros as I can to craft their fit story and lead with that story to leverage that to build their brand so then they can create so much more impact in the long run because they're helping people because it's connected to them rather than just for income, like I was with Ignite Your Fat. So I have a business partner now called Matthew Burbridge and our business is called Your Fit Story. And that's what we do. We just work with fit pros to help them lead with their story because that's where real impact is made. So do you notice that a lot of people are out of shape because emotionally they're, they're lost. So they just tend to they eat more and not exercise. Like tell us a bit more about that and how, how does changing their mindset help them with losing weight and getting in shape? Yeah, sure. So if people, let's just say, for example, they, um, they're prone to binge eating or they eat so many more calories, they are drinking, they're not exercising and they have a gym membership, but they're not going. At the, the core root of the problem in, in all of those is always tied to their story. It's always down to something that they've been through in their life. Maybe it was the way that their mom or dad talked to them and they load their self-confidence. They're going into the gym and looking at themselves in the mirror. It's all tied. As long as you can dig deep, it's always tied. So yeah, so, but when I was starting out, I never knew any of that. I just thought, okay, well, if you're not going to the gym, it's because you lack self-confidence. But why do you lack self-confidence? And then why again, then why again, then why again? And it's always tied down to their story. Mm. right yeah and everybody gets attached to that story as well everybody gets attached to it and a lot of these people just don't know that they're attached to that story they believe it's just the way they are or mm. you know but if they can actually understand that they are doing x y and z because of that chapter that they went through which we can hopefully highlight with them 
And then bring them to that stage of understanding is when they can start to step into the shoes of being the author of their story and rewriting that. Yeah, exactly. And I just, it's crazy how people get stuck in that box of I am that person and I'm married to that story. Yeah. It doesn't because you can change it just with a new decision. Like yeah. it's, you can literally change it. And then you just have to do the things that align with the new decision, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times people stay with that, that in that box because they keep doing things that align with that person. You can get, you can, you can let that go. And I've noticed that cause I've had a couple different personas in my life. Hockey player, bartender, online marketer, podcaster. You can be whoever the hell you want to be. It's just you have to do the aligned actions. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if you're going to be somebody else, you just have to do the things that that thing that person does. And a lot of people think that they can be that other person that they think they are, but then still act. They want to be somebody else, but then they're still doing the habits of that other person. Exactly that. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And I find it crazier how we just give up and say, well, I'm that person. That's me. Like, why? Like you, you're yeah. a human. Like you just have to change your, who you want to be and, you know, start to go towards like who's doing what you want to do and, and you'll follow them. Who's had a big impact in your life? Like who's a mentor that you kind of look up to or a book, like you got a bunch of books there, you know, obviously there's, there's lots of amazing people out there, but is there one that's kind of impacted your life that, you know, when shit hits the fan or you're having a bad day and you're like, you go to them for sort of guidance, whether it be an audio or a book or something like that? Yes. I've actually got two things. The first one is Lewis Howe's Mask of Masculinity. That book changed my world. It made me realize what masks were. Like, so when I talked about masks in this, I never knew what masks were before I read that book. Changed the game for me, right? And it actually made me realize when... I went from school and moved to, um, went to college. I went there as, like I said, as this womanizer guy. And one of the masks is the sexual mask. And that was when I was like, holy shit. I put on this sexual mask when I changed location because I wanted to be a different Perry Power in that new location because nobody there knows me. So if I go there as somebody else, they wouldn't know any different. And I was like, that's the mask that I put on. And it was just, it was just, a, just like a ripple effect of this knowledge and these, wow, oh, wow, wow, wow and all these opening these new doors and seeing these new answers. And I would say the other biggest one though, every time I've had a question, I've gone to them is my mentor. Um, and his name is Joe Webb. Mm. And it was when I was an in-person PT and he was there and I was in this in-person PT and I, I didn't know what I was doing, but there was this one guy out of 15 PTs who was killing the game. He was earning the most, but working the, le- the least, right? I was like, who is this guy? And he's reading books. I never read a book before, right? And he was the only one there that was doing everything different. And all the other PTs were doing the same thing. I remember just having a conversation and he obviously saw something in me where I was a student and my ego wasn't there and I wanted to learn. And he's like, and I remember him testing me. He goes, right, I want you to go away, read this book. When you read it, come back to me. He's obviously assuming I wouldn't go and read the book. And then I did, I went back to him. And ever since then, he just had sort of like an arm around my shoulder and has guided me through the weight. And even to this day, I was on a call with him the other day. We had to catch up, had a problem, and he led me through it. And he's always been there for me. It's awesome. It's, it's very important to have that. Big time. If there's something, if you could go back to young Perry to have a chat, say something, what would you say if, you know, to prepare him for the road ahead, what's about to happen? 
I would say that if I went back to young Perry, it would be on topic of what we've been talking about. And it would be to, it would bring the awareness around my story when I'm younger. And it would be to sit my old Perry down and make him aware that he doesn't need to be the victim of your own story. And you can step into the shoes of the hero because that sexual abuse was not your fault. And it would have saved me a lot of years if I could do that. And if I just made him aware that he wasn't the victim and he could be the hero, then he can start helping other people do the same thing from an early age. Awesome. Yeah. It's those conversations that we have with our young self, you know, it's because we're all a child, right? We have this inner child. And if we could go back and have these conversations, it could definitely help. Where is the best place for everybody to find you, man? So everybody can find me on, on Facebook and Instagram, Perry Power, the easiest bloody name you can ever remember. And then we have something on YouTube called Your Fit Story TV. And what we basically do is we just get the, what we're building up to, the biggest influencers in the fitness industry, and we bring them on, not to talk about strategies or anything, but literally to get them to open up, be vulnerable, and to share their story. And so feel free to to check that out on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. That's super important because, yeah, sometimes it's it's more powerful to hear the story than Mm -hmm. to just hear about how to to lose weight or how to put on muscle, right? Because it's... There's all so much of the same shit out there. You need to get to more of the core. That's why we do what we do. Yeah, we we notice that. Yeah. I love that. Time. You know, there, there's lots of pieces of the puzzle, but emotionally and, you know, what's going on in your head is, is becoming more and more and more important and we're realizing it. Mm. What's happening? How's your mental health? And it has such an impact on how you show up every day. So well done with that, man. Make sure you guys check that out. If you will have all the stuff, all the information in the show notes, if you could give one piece, this is always the last question I ask everybody. The one set question is one tip for overcoming adversity to go on, to go through, to become successful or to get through a specific tough situation. What would it be? So if you're going through adversity, then I would say that a big, 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 big thing, if you can try to find immediate forgiveness. The quicker you can find that forgiveness, the quicker that you can take the next step and move on, right? right. Because if you don't find that forgiveness, you, you're not moving far. So mm-hmm. if you're going through adversity, and here's the thing, right? I was having a conversation with somebody and it's just still relevant. And they'll say to me, I don't know how you can forgive the, the other person that's in that, that story with you, whoever's inflicting the pain, whatever. I don't know how you can do that. And what I want to say with this is you forgiving somebody is not giving them a get out of jail free card. It's not excusing them of what they've done. You're forgiving them for you, not for them. Yeah. Screw them, right? You're forgiving them for you because you're yeah. worth more, Yeah. right? So you, I just want you guys to remember that. I want you to find forgiveness as quick as you can. Please do it. And then step into that shoes of the hero of your story. Never, ever step into the shoes of the victim because you're worth so much fucking more than that. So be who you're born to be. Awesome, man. Forgiveness, self-forgiveness is so important. You guys make sure because nobody's going to be suffering except you. You got to learn that the forgiveness is actually helping you and actually helping you move forward from whatever it is. So learn to forgive. Really appreciate having you on, bro. I really, um, really admire you having, being able to come and share your story and really giving everybody some tactical advice on how you did it and you know what, how you're using it now in such a positive way in the fitness industry and just inspiring people through speaking and everything, man. So thank you so much, bro. 
bro. Thank you so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure. Perry Power, everybody. Have an amazing day. Hey, guys. I hope you got a lot of value out of that. I know I did. Really emotional story and very powerful with a lot of lessons for you guys. So make sure to leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Make sure to connect with Perry. He's a really awesome dude. I'm doing some great stuff. Go check out his YouTube. And yeah, hit that subscribe button. Really appreciate all you guys. Hope you have an amazing week and we will catch you next time. Appreciate you. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.